to Black History Mini Docs Podcast. Welcome to Black History Mini Docs Podcast. I'm Akisha McCants, founder of Whole Body Literacy and Education, aka Wibble. And we're back with part two of my conversation with Nia Evans, director of the Ujima Project in Boston, along with Sierra Peters, director of communications. All right, and we're back. <laughs> uh, you know, Ujima Project is multi-dynamic and rooted in equity and liberation and community, um, which is beautiful. Uh, Sierra, could you talk about Ujima's Worker and Resident Care for, uh, Fund? Uh, in response to COVID-19, we launched the Worker and Resident Care Fund along with, uh, I think, a number of other organizations. Um, and so we give out one-time payments of $600 to voting members, members of Ujima's um, founding and current business alliance workers, and as well as uh, alliance workers of the businesses that we love every year. Um, so you just need to apply, like if you're a voting member, you can just apply for it. Um, and if you meet the um, application stipulations, then you receive this one-time payment. But in addition to that, we also launched a campaign called Necessary Systems Daily, um, which kind of talks about, you know, a little bit of what you were speaking about before, which is that uh, we're interdependent, <laughs> right? And so uh, knowing that there were a lot of things um, that we saw coming out of COVID, um, particularly at the uh, state level, um, things that like, um, you know, in Illinois, I believe, uh, people's water were getting, was getting shut off, uh, right? And so like the next day, because of COVID, the next day the city was saying like, hey, you know, actually you need your water right now when in fact they needed their water the entire time. Um, you know, just one example of, you know, necessary systems that we thought should change. And so we thought, um, we were just thinking about how physical distancing, you know, kind of allows us the opportunity to reflect on what was clearly possible before and rethink of uh, how our society is ordered beyond emergency, right? Um, and so how can we build an adequate system that abundantly cares for everybody in the community? Um, and so you know, now we have a moratorium on evictions and extensions and sick leave and family leave and, you know, people getting released from jail to protect public health. And it just kind of demonstrates the ease with which we could have always done this. Um, and so that was just another thing that we kind of uh, created as a response to, to COVID. Thank you. I mean, Nia, in this monumental time in history, you know, this work is so important. You know, um, in cities all across America, folks are hurting. Mm -hmm. Folks are, are, are without a lot of the basic needs. And you, you, I love that the, the name, Necessary Systems, which Black History Mini Docs is down with, that cause. Um, but also, you're talking about centering Black financial literacy in your To Possess Freedom Once Again campaign. Um, can you tell us about that campaign and who you partner with on this initiative? Sure. Um, and I, just, I do just want to back up really quickly and just um, uh, in response to a question about kind of how the, the mission started to be implemented. The reason why I wanted to talk about arts um, is for us, arts and cultural organizing um, is, is central. Uh, so right now, um, Sierra actually has not started her tenure as communications director yet because she's finishing up her arts and cultural organizing fellowship. Um, and so that, that actually is uh, uh, what Sierra is doing with us right now and that she's doing communications part-time. 
Um, but one of the, f- the very first thing that we did when I became director um, was we had a party. Mm. Um, and so um, it was important uh, in thinking about this work because we're proposing a different way of doing business with each other. We're proposing a different way of investing in each other. We're proposing a different way of, of being with each other, um, making decisions, et cetera. Um, and, and people don't um, just kind of take on different beliefs or do things differently just because um, you tell them so with whatever authority you think you have or you suggested, or you write a paper about it, or you start an organization and kind of talk to the air about it. Um, people, you know, we, we are all kind of walking around with our own beliefs that we've developed over time, our own understanding of the world that we we start developing the minute uh, we get here, our own worldviews. Um, and there's so many things that feed into that. So there, there's everything that I said before that feeds into that, you know, wor- you know, study and and uh, other people's beliefs and what they tell us, et cetera. Um, and there's also culture. Um, and there's also all of the different ways that we receive uh, information and art comes into that. And so for us, what was really important was for us to create an environment where we're walking around in the type of world and in the type of Boston um, that we say that we should be living in. And so that's why one of the first things we did was we said we have a party because that's what people do. People have fun. Um, people dance, people listen to music. And so there have to be multiple uh, uh, entryways. Um, so with to, to possess freedom once again, that is a week of activities that we are doing that will start July 19th, really, um, that will start July 19th and it will end July uh, 27th. And we borrowed the name of that week actually from a passage uh, in a Thelonious Monk biography written by Robin D.G. Ke- Kelly. And there's a wonderful um, paragraph in there at the beginning of the book, because I haven't gotten that far, I'm still reading it. But there's a wonderful <laughs> paragraph there um, where Kelly is describing Thelonious's grandparents and great-grandparents actually having um, experienced actual freedom in America in the wake of uh, Emancipation Proclamation. This is during Reconstruction. The phrasing that he uses are, are some, is something along the lines of freedom was not an abstract concept. Mm-hmm. It was tangible because uh, they were in the era in which they knew um, unfreedom and then new freedom and created institutions um, of participation, um, and other institutions of support in their communities and held office, et cetera. And so what he says is, is Thelonious Monk grew up in that. So those are stories that became, that passed down in his family. And so he grew up in a home um, where there was this memory of tangible freedom um, that was not abstract. And so that was, that was striking because I think even with um, the, the, the wonderful movements that are happening today, um, and, I, and I definitely think they're wonderful and they're inspiring for sure. And we are making strides. And I think a lot of us feel as if um, there's some parts of this that are unprecedented um, in, a, in a really hopeful and inspiring way. I do still think we talk about freedom as an abstract. Mm. So I do still think we talk about freedom as something um, that we've not achieved 
even if it feels like it's probably around the corner. And I think it feels like that to a lot of people right now. And so what was really striking about that was this notion of actually we've had it before and we have uh, black families and black communities in this country that have that memory, depending on what's been passed down again. Um, and I think a lot of our work is about that. So even when we talk about cooperative economics, we're not talking about something that's new and fantastical and out of nowhere and we're geniuses so we just made up this thing. Uh, there's this wonderful book called Collective Courage by Jessica Gordon Emhard and it's a history of black cooperative economics in the US. And again, part of that kind of arts and cultural organizing is we have a series called Black Trust and we brought Jessica Gordon Emhard to Boston to talk about that book and to talk about that history because a lot of what we do um, in that realm is excavating this history, which is why we love Black History Mini Docs, um, because it's there are so many stories um, that we don't have access to, and being able to to access them definitely increases our sense of of power. So just like cooperative economics is nothing new, Sierra talked about this. Mutual aid's been around; um, it's been terrorized out of us, and what's happening now is we're finding our ways. Um, back uh, to these to these older practices that sustained us um, in a way that was respectful and honorable. So that's that's the inspiration behind to possess freedom once again. And it's a week of activities. July nineteenth, Sunday is actually Black Feminist Study Hall that's being hosted by Sierra and Ariel, who are the founders of Print Ain't Dead. Um, Monday, Tuesday is more focused on business owners. So Monday evening, we're doing a social uh, networking hour with business owners. Tuesday, we're doing our business to business assembly and our assemblies is where um, community members and members actually tell us what we should be investing in. So that's, that's, that's how we source our investments and that's a participatory process mm. of, of our investment. And so the 21st will be just for business owners because what we want to do now, we've gotten lots of business to consumer businesses, retail, restaurants, et cetera. We're, we are now interested in moving up the supply chain and looking at manufacturers and thinking about business to business businesses. Thursday, we're really excited. There's, we're going to have a black on black investing workshop. And so we're going to have a, a great conversation about what investment looks like in our community now. It'll be really expansive. It'll go beyond monetary investment. So for example, part of our ecosystem is a time bank. Um, where people uh, gift each other uh, with um, labor uh, that is needed. And then Monday, uh, July 27th, we end with Black Trust. And I mentioned we have that series. So that's a, that'll be a lecture with uh, one of our former state reps, Marie Semflor. Wow. Incredible lineup. <laughs> and listen, I really appreciate what you said here about art and how important it is in the conversation. Um, it's often trivialized and it's like, you know, it's like the, the beat of the drum has mm -hmm. always been our freedom. And our, the, as long as there's a drum, we are free through that mm -hmm. drum. Um, and then I'm like, wow, all of this, like, so then the vision, the visions of it. And I know, you know, you got a lot of artists that you, you know, bring in and a lot of folks that, you know, uh, people never heard of that they get to hear from or people have you know felt that wasn't um, approachable but that actually are approachable you know reaching out and connecting folks to information i mean it's really uplifting yep um and i i really appreciate what you're saying about you know how do we possess freedom 
right now, yes, we, it is possible to possess freedom within ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, like with Black Wall Street, we, we do think about the things that we've been robbed of, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, but that spirit is never, is never, is never gone. It's never dead. It's, it's, exactly. it's a part of us. And, um, and then I think we are a part of that continuum and this work that you're doing, uh, you know, Sierra, I can't wait to see what your art, you know, what art is going to come out of this, you know, um, how are you feeling, you know, when thinking about, and also I want to point out that time bank, thank you very much, mm -hmm. because time is money. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and we don't think about these things, you know, the free labor that often comes. Mm -hmm. um, and I just going back to your origin story of those folks who started this, mm -hmm. underserved people, people with the corporal system, putting in that work so that the seeds could be planted so mm -hmm. that Ujima could be realized as a collaborative, as, as an opportunity for all of us. And so what I'm thinking is like, with the National Black Boycott for Black Lives, right? People are serious now about putting, and they've always been, but now it feels like there's some, some, some meat on that bone around putting Black financial freedom at the forefront of mm -hmm. movements and that mm -hmm. has to do with ecosystems and that has to do with art and that has to do with research and it has to do with literacies divesting reclaiming yes. um thinking about who serves us and who doesn't serve us what words of wisdom might you impart to folks who want to make a difference in their community or and aren't sure about how to coalesce and how to start a financial movement or how to, you know, tap into their, their creative juices because they've been told that that doesn't matter, that's not important, that's not serious? <laughs> this is a great question. Um, I mean, my first piece of advice is that there's precedent for this, I mm. guess. Um, that this isn't new, that the, again, like you said earlier, like we are in a continuum. Um, I think a lot, Nia knows this, I think a lot about my grandma. And, you know, my grandmother is someone who was born in 1945, who has kind of, you know, as a baby boomer, lived through all of these things that we're talking about, or a lot of these things that we're talking about, maybe not Tulsa, but, um, and the fact that she still has to go to protests, you know, at her big, big age is just like, uh, and so what she tells me when I like, you know, kind of complain to her about that, she tells me that you stay until the work is done. Um, so what I would say is that, you know, there is precedent. This isn't new. Um, I would say that, you know, just kind of like, like Nia was saying earlier, um, leaning back on what we know is true and um, that this has always happened. It's possible. And that, you know, when we're rethinking how our society is ordered beyond emergency, like that was when we'll truly get to the answers that we want, the sustainable answers that we want, because revolution isn't a one-time event, right? Um, and so that's that's pretty much it, you know, just get involved, get organized, and um, understand that, you know, this is happening and it doesn't have to happen again. Um, so there are a couple of things, I mean, just on the very strictly kind of organizational side that I can say. One is anybody can join Ujima. Um, we have members from all over the country. We have a member in Canada. We have a member in the UAE. In the United and we, even before the pandemic, uh, we meet every Wednesday. We meet regularly to try to create that regularity, frequency, fellowship. Um, and even before the pandemic, we always had a Zoom option. So if you couldn't join us in person, you could join us via Zoom. Um, and we would record the meetings so that you could you could uh, experience it afterwards if you couldn't record, experience it in a moment. 
Um, we invite all sorts of participation. We try to create a lot of different avenues of, of, of entry. So as I talked about, we do parties, we have meetings, we have the lecture series that I talked about, we have member teams. Um, and so it's, it's for different people with different lifestyles, different schedules. Some people can come every week and some do, some can't. And so maybe they just come to an event. We have the assemblies that I talked about that happens every few months. Um, and then it is only the people in Boston who vote. And that's how we hold to our principle of um, those in a, in a community should be making uh, decisions. So definitely check us out and, and join us if, if you want to. What's the website? So the website is ujimaboston.com. So www.ujimaboston.com, ujimaboston.com. Um, the second thing is, as I said, we have many communities who have, who have contacted us who want to know how we've done what we've done and they want to start a Ujima where they are. We are going to kick off in the fall a trans local membership, very specifically for black communities who want to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you should uh, check out the website. Um, you can send an email to info at ujimaboston.com if you're interested in the trans local uh, membership and we can send you information about it and, and contact you as it gets closer. Um, what that will look like will be a year of a community of practice that's oriented. And so it's not going to look the same in every place. And it's not, and it's not going to be something that we own. We um, want to see, uh, again, business the way we're doing business, investing the way we're doing investing, planning, decision-making, developing, the way we're doing it, we want to see it happen uh, everywhere in the U.S. And so for us, it's not about ownership. It's not about revenue. Uh, there will be a, a, a pretty nominal fee to participate in the translocal uh, membership. And what, what that'll look like will be us as first um, having you explore your local uh, your local area because your ecosystem will be different. It won't look exactly like ours. Yours is going to look different. I mentioned all the people, you know, the grassroots organizations, etc. We know that there are some communities that don't have organizing as strong as ours. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to look different. Um, com- there are communities where the financial institutions participate differently. So the f- for us, the first six months will be kind of helping you to explore your, your very local um, context and what's possible and what type of ecosystem you can build and then saying okay now we actually are going to help you get started you're going to choose a piece of that ecosystem and we're going to help you build it out and that's just strictly on the kind of ujima organizational side i would say outside of that as i think our our collective duty right now during this moment and we're seeing people you know i don't know if sierra's grandmother would say this but i'm definitely seeing older organizers for example saying like yeah this is unprecedented there is there is something for sure about this that feels different and i think our collective duty is to extend it so i think our collective duty is not to be complacent in this moment and to think anything is inevitable so it doesn't mean we're all in the streets some of us are some of us not um, we have to be looking at, um, when we're looking at how we can concretely contribute, I think we have to be 
grounded in what we can actually do. So we, I think we should be asking ourselves this question without any shame, without any guilt, without in any kind of paralyzing feeling of obligation, but understanding we've got to extend this moment. So this is how we, this is how we get to freedom again, if, if we don't rest on our laurels. Um, and, that also, and that also then means we're not doing it all ourselves. And so this comes back to collectivity and cooperation and understanding um, we've got a part of our duty, I think, is looking around and finding out who's doing what. And again, seeing how we can be concretely, substantively supportive. Um, and keyword on supportive. Um, I, I do think it's important to say we're human, so ego exists. We're not being supportive if we enter environment with our ego and we think we're going to run something because we're there and everyone should thank God that we're there now. Um, or, or we think we're going to kind of change something and remake it in our image. Um, that's not support. Um, so I think that's, that's what I would say. I would, I would definitely say, yes, get involved, get organized. In most places, in most places, there is something that you can do and there's something that you can join in most. Um, there probably are some places where, um, there isn't anything. And then I think that that's, and then I think that that's when you try to look to the place that's nearest you. Um, and again, think about how you can plug in. So as I said, we try to make it accessible for everybody, but yes, how can, ask yourself, how can you concretely contribute realistically, groundedly, not for image, not, you know, not out of a sense of obligation, not to even be able to look back to and say, I've, I hear a lot of people kind of talking about like, I want to be able to say where I was at this, at this point in history. Um, I don't think that that should be your driving force. Um, so not even for that, but again, to extend uh, the moment and to, and to actually get us there, um, to know you cannot do it yourself. You should not do it yourself. Um, so look around for others and try to support um, work that has been happening for a long time and, and understanding that work got us here. And so this didn't come out of nowhere. As Sierra said, our grandmother said, you do the work till it's done. We're here because of people before us who have that sentiment and they didn't stop. Thank you so much, Nia and Sierra. And I always say this, we stand on the shoulders of our ancestors always. Um, to learn more about the Ujima Project, visit them on Facebook. They have a Facebook page, they have an Instagram page, follow them, join the conversation. Um, and continue the conversation and collaboration and community with others. Um, and again, visit their website, ujimaboston.com. And don't forget to leave your comments here, like us on Facebook, you know. Visit blackhistorymini-docs.com to stay current on Black History Made all day, every day. Watch the mini docs, share our podcast. You know, it's important that we support one another as we are continuing to build those bridges. They're never broken forever. They're never, there's never the end of the road, although we've come to, the, no, we are at the beginning and we will continue to travel this road together. And you can check out Wibble's podcast, Education is Liberation, which is a weekly podcast where I interview educators, leaders, parents, and youth to answer the question, can education in its current state truly be liberating or must a new system be built up? We thank you so much for joining us. This is Black History Mini Docs Podcast.